Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today we've got Oliver Duffy Leon and he's the founder of Authority Agency. Hey Daniel, how you doing man? Yes, good. How are you? I'm, I'm really good man. Like we've just said before, uh, incredibly busy but we wouldn't have it any other way, huh? Exactly that. Um, Oliver, should we jump straight in? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, 100%. So um, I run a company called Authority Agency. Um, so all, all my life, I've been at left uni about 10 years ago, um, although that seems kind of crazy that it's gone that fast, but, um, and, um, all I've ever known is agencies. So for anyone that doesn't know what an agency is, it's basically, uh, marketing agencies, advertising agencies, design agencies, branding agencies, any sort of creative company that helps brands with their creative or advertising side or their marketing side. Uh, that's all I've ever known. Um, I left uni, went into an agency as a copywriter. But very, very quickly, um, it was very, very clear that I'm not, not that creative. I don't really like the creative side that much, but I love the selling side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, got, got comfortable with the selling side. And then about three years ago, decided it was time to um, start my own agency, which is called uh, World Products. And I started that with my, with my buddy, Ash. And I also started a company called Authority Agency, which is helping agencies to find clients and grow. Because it turns out that agencies, although they're great at marketing other companies, they're terrible at marketing themselves. Interesting. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. I think uh, I, I was slightly involved in this world only for about six months. Um, and it blew my mind how many agencies there were in the UK. I think there's something like 30,000 creative agencies in the UK alone. Oh, dude, there's more. There's way more than wow. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it's a great market to be in, to be honest. Um, <laughs> here's, look, here's why there's so many, because it's, it's, it's a very low barrier to entry to start as a business, right? So if you imagine, um, let's imagine, Daniel, uh, you and I decided to start a gym, right? We're thinking, look, the gym market is, is underserved. We want to start a gym. Now, before we even take our first membership, you and I, we're going to have to go and find a space. We're going to have to rent the space. We're going to have to renovate the space. We're going to have to buy all the machinery. We're going to have to brand the whole thing up. We're going to have to fill it with staff. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to market the hell out of it um, and put loads of ads out. And then we sign our first member, right? So you're massively in the red before you even start your gym. Yes. Starting an agency, right? If you're good at, so say, say right now, right? This is a great example right now. Say, you, say you've uh, messed around through COVID, you've messed around on TikTok and you managed to get like 50,000 followers on TikTok. Well done, by the way, if you have. Um, <laughs> and then you're thinking, you know what, I'm pretty good at this. All, all you need is a laptop, a LinkedIn account, uh, and you can start a TikTok agency like that with zero overheads. So that's why there are so many agencies because the barrier to starting one is so small. All you need is an idea, a skill set, and a laptop and a connection, an internet connection. So... Yeah, that's why it's such an attractive um, business model for, for young people right now. Do you think it's uh, not a lot of people think about the selling side and the actual business side of running an agency? Okay, they can produce content, fantastic, but winning, retaining clients is a whole different ballgame, isn't it? <laughs> 100%, man. So there's this great book. To be honest, I feel a bit of a fraud talking about this book because I've never actually like fully read it myself. I've read, <laughs> I've read bits of it, but people talk about it all the time. And it's a book called The E-Myth. So I think if you're, if you're ever considering starting your own business, this is a great book to read. It's called The E-Myth. Mm-hmm. And um, a big part of the book is it talks about technicians. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they start as technicians. And what that means is they're excellent at executing a skill. And then they think, okay, I'm going to execute that skill as a business owner. So the example in the book is a hairdresser. 
So the hairdresser is excellent at cutting hair, like the best hairdresser you've ever seen. So they decide to start their own salon. Well, then they get a dissolution because they spend 90% of their time doing businessy, boring businessy stuff like payroll and admin and paying rent and hiring people and managing people. And they spend 10% of the time cutting hair, which is the thing they really, really love to do. And it's the same with agency owners as well. You know, you end up doing 10% of the actual making amazing TikToks and the rest of the time is, is trying to find clients and, and do all that stuff. But honestly, uh, that really suits me because that's the bit that I love doing. That's why we, that's where we help people really. That's really interesting because that's exactly how I am in business. Yeah. I love the, the like, not the, I guess back end, maybe part of it, the, the kind of the, the grubby work, you know, going, getting business and making sure things are paid, chasing invoices, making sure you've structured everything right. I actually think that's the fun part of business. I don't know if you find that. Yeah. So you're the entrepreneur. So this is, this is exactly, I'm exactly the same. So there's a, there's, um, there's three archetypes. I forgot what the third one is, but entrepreneur is the other type, right? So the entrepreneur loves, loves getting the business, um, getting the business and making it like turn it into something and turning ideas into great things, but hates sort of delivering it and actually doing the stuff. Right. Um, I'm very much like that. I'm so bad with detail. I'm so bad with briefing people. I'm so bad at the leadership part. Um, so basically I'm not actually, uh, in my business, I'm not allowed to have anything to do with the hiring and not really allowed anything to do with the leadership part either. In fact, we had a, a new starter last week. And the first time I'd even spoken to the person was after we'd hired them because, um, <laughs> there's no point because I'm a terrible recruiter. I'm a terrible, um, leader. I just, uh, sort of, I guess I'm, I'm good at spotting opportunities and, and guiding us in that direction, but we have other people that do that recruitment part for me now which is great i think this is a really interesting conversation i don't think we've actually had this kind of conversation on the podcast before and it's a really important one it's being mm -hmm. able to identify your skill sets oh, and then man. building a team around it right like a bit like you i'm i, I like big picture so you yeah. know i'll come up with an idea for a business probably for a day and then you know i'll work <laughs> on for a while and then i'll find somebody to help me execute it and then that's how you build businesses i think there's a real like miscommunication between what people see on Instagram and social media about being an entrepreneur and what it's actually like, like you don't do it all yourself. Totally man. You Got to build a team, right? Yeah. I mean, so looks with basically what we're talking about is self-awareness, right? Like mm. how, how self-aware are you? And, and here's the really interesting. So your self-awareness and how self-aware are you? Like, what are you good at? What are you not? That's, uh, that's sort of like self-awareness 1.0 where it gets really interesting is that we change a lot and quickly. Okay. So, one of the things, one of the main reasons we started our business was we were pursuing, and when I say we, I'm talking about me and my wife, uh, we were pursuing um, sort of three types of freedom, which is financial location and time freedom. That's what we're looking for. Mm. Now, uh, and, and that, all of those things are going really well. One of the things that we thought was good at, when we started was we're going to just travel a lot, move from place to place and carry on working. It's going to be fun. Like one month here, one month there, one month there. Mm -hmm. And at the time when we started self-awareness wise, that was great. What we have had to this year has been made very, very clear to us. We hate that now. Like if we're not, if we're not in one place for more than like, I'd say three months, then it really unsettles us. And now we like to be in, so it could be somewhere else, but it, it has to be a long time in that place. Now that's, that's us, us changing as people. And we have to realize that our identity has changed. Our preferences have changed. So self-awareness is really important. 
and listening to what you now are like as a person is important and you need to give space for that like you need to check in with yourself for that um i don't know do you have a do you have a process for that like how do you know how do you know what you're feeling and what makes you happy man yeah i guess i'm very much early state i've I've been sort of out of um corporate employment for two and a half years i guess and trying different businesses running various different things and it's a constant cycle of trying to understand okay where's my head at is Mm -hmm. the you know have i got the enthusiasm to see this business idea through yeah you know can i build the team to do it and it's like constant checks you kind of learn to put in place through trial and error and i don't know if you agree but this whole process of trying to become an entrepreneur and starting businesses is just trial and error and the more you fail the better (laughs) it's it's such a cliche but the more you fail the more you understand it i think 100 percent, dude you know one of the big things I think there's two things that separate the really successful entrepreneurs I know from, from the ones that have tried and failed. One of them is consistency. You know, they, they, they stuck at the same thing for a long period of time. So that's really one, mm-hmm. but the other one, well, the other one's really interesting in that, and it's the way people view failure. And I remember at the start of my journey, failure, I would take failure very personally. Yes. So if, if something didn't work, so say I launched a lead magnet, right? Like, let's say, like you just pour hours and hours into this amazing lead magnet. It's going to get me tons of leads and they're going to cost me nothing. And to put it out there, run an ad and, and it gets you zero leads or one lead for 70 quid. Then for me, that made me think I am a failure. At the start of the journey, it's like, I'm a failure. I can't write a lead magnet. I can't do this. Well, what you learn, and this is what you just said, basically, is that that is just because you haven't got it right that time. Now we do lead magnets like, you know, once a week and we have, we get leads for like, you know, one or two pounds a, a lead, but you couldn't, we couldn't have got there unless I'd write, written that first lead magnet and put by heart and soul into it and completely messed it up. That led to where we are now. So this ability to look at failure objectively and not take it personally is really, really important. And I don't know how you teach that other than just just going through it a few times and and really realizing that the world keeps turning even when you do mess up things i i have this really sort of i have this thought a lot and we constantly actually get told if you look at it and you listen to a lot of entrepreneurs failure is good you know certain certain people you can find these lessons you can find all these lessons that we've just talked about but it never clicks in my head Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're the same until i do it and then i go oh yeah of course yeah they said that (laughs) And they were like, well, why didn't you listen to it like two years ago? Because it hadn't clicked yet. I, I knew it was there, but I hadn't experienced it to be like, oh, shit, yes, that's why that happened. It's so funny. That's just, it's really true. So obviously a big part of what I do is coaching, right? Yes. And so we uh, we have like a very, very, we've got hours of training and, and we also do a bit of one-to-one as well. And there'll be sometimes I'll spend half an hour with someone and I'll be teaching them all these models and all these methods. And then at the end of the session, and they'll be doing that. They'll be sitting there the whole time. They won't write anything down. At the end of the session, they'll, they will say something. They'll be like, hmm, that's really interesting. It makes me think of this. And then I'll see them writing that thing down because the difference between me talking at them for half an hour and them having a realization themselves is huge. Mm. So much so that they'll actually write that down. That's their takeaway. And what you learn as a coach is your job is not to teach people stuff. It's to make people realize it themselves. Yes, that is a great answer. Right? Yes. Like you yeah, can't, yeah. we can't, like I can, I can spend an hour with a group of 10 people and if each of them 
have one realization from that one hour, I feel like I've done a really good job. Whereas when I started coaching, and, I, and I, honestly, I was new to coaching like three years ago, I hadn't coached anyone. I'd done a bit of mentoring, but I hadn't done any coaching. I thought my job was just to give as much like value vomit as possible, right? As many things in a session as possible. Actually, now I realize like, if I can get you to realize one thing in this hour together, then, then you know, great. It's, I'm really happy with that. You've added value. Yeah. Um, so just going back a bit, and talking about the business side of the agency world. Now, we haven't really covered that on this podcast before previously, and I'm really interested in it because it just doesn't get talked about. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people see, you know, marketing agencies, advertising agencies, branding agencies, and they think, right, I've got to be creative to go into it. But you started this this interview by saying, look, I'm not creative. Mm -hmm. How do you go about kind of finding those roles and creating that kind of business career what kind of things should you be looking for in a company kind of role wise so do you mean in terms of starting your own company or in wanting to get into an, the agency world as an employee yeah i think taking your first step wanting to get into the agency world as an employee interesting well i mean look it's the same with anything like what what uh what do you want to spend most of your time doing you know, unfortunately, well, I don't know, it depends what, which way you look at it, but unfortunately we've created a world where most of our, of our awake time, we're going to spend working, right? It's just the way it is. If you're an entrepreneur, even more. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you're interested in, in, in the thing you're doing. However, this is a really, really important piece of advice, especially for people who are young and just leaving uni. Do not think that whatever the first thing you're about to do, the first job you do has to be the perfect job because it won't be. And you probably won't enjoy it as much as you think you will. And, but it will lead you on to the next thing. Like when, when I got my first job straight out of uni, I was a copywriter. Like I said, did I want to be a copywriter? No. Did I want to have anything to do with marketing at the time? No. But um, now I love marketing. I've been like really, really uh, happy to be a, a part of this amazing industry. So I think looking, when you're looking for a job and you're looking to get into the agency world, like just make sure you're in actually interested in that space. And I would say pick the person who is going to be your manager or your leader over the business themselves and the role mm -hmm. itself. Great so, so, so the guy, the guy that hired me is a guy called Patrick. I'm still lucky enough. Like he's still a great uh, inspiration to me. I still work with him on, on num a number of projects. If it hadn't been for him, uh, I definitely wouldn't still be in marketing. And, and if it hadn't been for him, I would, would be nowhere near as successful as I am now. Mm. So pick your boss and pick your leader and pick the person that's just going to drag you with them to the next level because you'll be so grateful about that later on. The last thing you want in a leader or a boss is someone who's insecure and wants to keep you below them. Yes. Right? You want, you want a boss that wants you to be more intelligent, that wants you to be, you to be improving the quality of the team. You don't want a leader or a boss that's insecure of your intelligence. And you can tell, right? You can tell these things early on. I've had, I've had both. I had a boss who wanted to lift me up and wanted to encourage me. And I had a boss who wanted to keep me in my place. And you can tell these little things about the insecurity in, in the leader. So look for, just pick a leader that's going to just do everything they can to promote you, to, to get you to that next level, because that's, more valuable than the company, the role or the industry you're in, I think. Yeah, brilliant advice. Couldn't agree more. Um, so, you know, how did you make the transition from the copywriter into the business side of agency world? What was that process like? Well, first of all, I don't think I was a very good copywriter, <laughs> um, which, uh, which didn't help. But I mean, like, 
basically if you're a, if you're a salesperson you know you know if you're a salesperson because you'll listen to clients intensely mm. and what, what what i found myself doing was in in creative meetings with clients i'd be really really listening to them and the creative department would come away and they they they'd say what the client had told us to do but i found that i was listening to the clients and often i was found that the clients were saying this is what we want but when i aligned that with what the clients what the company the client's company's wider objectives were they just were completely misaligned so like for example like we need this website um and we just we, guys we need you to build us a website and then when you hear about what their wider objectives are it had nothing to do with the website it was like they didn't have engagement from their their teams or their employees who were in the coalface with in the front line with the client with their customers mm. well the website wasn't going to fix that relationship and so i found myself spotting opportunities and spotting problems that customers had that i couldn't solve as a copywriter but i could as an account manager or a salesperson and that is a really great trait for a salesperson because really being able to listen to what your customers are saying to you and and being able to sort of spot opportunities that maybe your clients can't spot is a really good trait so if you if you think when if you hear the word salesperson and you think of like a, a weird old bloke selling secondhand cars with like a with a really old tie and an old suit then that's like dead now right we're in 2022 and salespeople, especially in the b2b world are people who are very very curious are very very good listeners and are very, very good at spotting opportunities for uh, that, that your clients can't spot. So if you find yourself in those situations where you're just great listeners and you're curious and you want to find out more about people, you're probably going to be a great salesperson. So then, you know, how long did it take for you to work in the industry to then make the leap to your own business? So then, so basically, I mean, um, I, can't, I can't express all these details here, but the, basically the point was, I got to a point where my accounts in the agency I was working at were delivering a, a very large majority of the of the overall sales, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, what should happen <laughs> is that you should be given a piece of the of the business. Yeah, it's just natural, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But that that was not coming, and I, and we had lots of conversations. Didn't happen, and so I just kind of got bored. And actually, it turns out that was the best thing that could have happened, mm. um, because it gave me the opportunity to start um, uh, my own agency or or start up an agency with my buddy Ash, uh, which is an agency called World Products, and also to start Authority Agency, which is honestly um really really fulfilling if if not uh extremely busy and, and at times very stressful um really fulfilling but well what happens when you when you have a salary and you want to start your own business this is what you think right you think how can i how can i replace my salary as quickly as possible i need to tell you that is the most flawed thinking because first of all you'll replace your salary really quickly because you just will but the problem, what you won't have thought about is all the extra expenses you're going to have, which is going to help you fulfill that salary. So your, your perception of money is going to change very fast. Um, and just this idea of how can I uh, replace my salary, that's what, we, that's what we call freelancer mentality. And if you want to build a business, you need to get out of freelancer mentality and you need to stop trading time for money. So what you need to do instead is think about how can I leverage um, people? How can I leverage systems? to increase the amount of money you make without increasing the amount of time you spend making that money. And that's really the difference between just being a freelancer and being a, an agency owner or a, 
uh, a business owner in general. Yes, that's a really interesting thought process to have to go through, isn't it? Because like you say, freelancers yeah. will think completely differently to a business owner. hundred percent. Don't think about what goes into a business when you first start freelancing. Yeah, stupid little stupid little things like just the subscriptions you're going to need. Like if you if you want to start taking your social media seriously, you're probably going to need a scheduler. Well, that's going to cost you money. Then you're probably going to need um, uh, a web domain and then some e- a couple of email accounts. And then you're going to need, I don't know, a content portal or whatever it is. But you're going to need stuff like your subscription. Your subscriptions is going to come to about 500 to 1,000 to a month immediately. So like just stupid things like that are going to are going to come up which you don't um which you don't already know about and it's just you want to get out of this this concept of replacing time for money because if you're going to do that you may as well just get a job right that's what a job is it's replacing your time for some specific money and if you want to go into that freelancer life you may as well just get a job because you can do all that stuff without having the stress of having to run a company mm. My advice instead is to think about leveraging people and systems and then think about how can I grow this and still have the same time, put in the same amount of time, but get more money out of the other end. Yes, um, great. It's a, it's, a mind, it's a mindset shift. It takes you a while. It took me about a year to get there, but um, now, now you're there, you think about things completely differently. Mm. And so what kind of personality traits do you think you see in yourself and others within the kind of business salesy part of the agency world that help you to thrive? I'm, I'm kind of I'm a bit obsessed with this actually. Mm. Um, let me. What, what about you? I'm interested in you. What do you think? I think you have to be, and it's a it's a very it's cliche, but you have to be a people person. You mm-hmm. have to like you say, and I think curiosity yeah. is key as well, um, and just not being afraid to engage in conversation, which is again just being a people person and and kind of being able to pick up details that they might not clearly say to you, this is my problem, but yeah. through the conversation, you can identify the issue they have. Yeah, I like that a lot. Being insightful and like being curious. I think yes. I like that a lot. So there's a, there's a spectrum that I'm a little bit obsessed with, which I think is really, really interesting. And it basically on one end of the spectrum is, is humbleness and humility. And at the other end of the spectrum is in like entitlement. And I feel like the more and more I, time I spend on this, on this planet, I feel like the closer to the humbleness and the humility end you are, the more successful you can be and the more and the more socially successful you will be, the more commercially successful you will be and the happier you will be. And I think the closer the, you are to the other end, the entitlement part, the more frustrated you'll be, the more angry you'll be um, and the, just the less happy you'll be. So uh, I, I started to boil everything down to that spectrum. And what we look for in, in clients, what I ask my team to look for in, in team members, because I'm not allowed to go anywhere near the recruitment, <laughs> is, um, is I, just want, I just want humility. I just want people to be humble. And what's interesting about being humble is it unlocks all of those things you just said. It unlocks curiosity because when you are humble, you listen. It unlocks insight in, like, in being able to be insight, insightful because when you're humble, you listen and you really are curious to see what that person's saying. So for me, I just think get on that end of the spectrum, get rid of any entitlement inside you because it's never going to serve you well. And don't be afraid to be humble. Being humble is courageous. Being humble, being humble is like, is, is saying, is putting your ego at the door and saying, I don't care what the hell I've done in my life. I'm still prepared to listen to you. Even if I think you've achieved like 10% of what I've achieved, I still want to listen because I might learn. 
So being humble is courageous and try, just try your hardest to be that end of the spectrum. You, you know what we were saying at the beginning about having realizations? Yeah. I think I should probably pay you for recording this podcast because <laughs> that, that, that kind of conversation we've just had there, I've been trying to piece something together in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do SME consulting for a few different businesses. Yeah. And what gets in the way of so many business owners is ego. Mm-hmm. which I think we're talking about one and the same thing here, you know, being humble and entitlement and ego. Yeah. If you remove your ego from your business, mm-hmm. I think you will fly because your ego stops you from bringing people in to give you advice. Your 100%. ego stops you from making decisions that might make you seem weak in the market or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If you remove all of those things, all of a sudden you're bringing in people that can help you push your goal forward move your business forward without worrying oh god you know they think i'm stupid because i can't do this and can't do that remove all of that and i think you're 100 percent right that is a yeah. fantastic realization i think i think i think it's one of the most under, underrated characteristics in 2022 is humility and i think and i think what people don't realize about humility is that they confuse it as weakness well it's not yeah like, humility is strength like in a world which expects you to always be smashing life and like showing everyone how well you're doing humility saying well you know what like yeah we're doing okay but like this is hard like it's hard and i need help right like humility is really really underrated and if you're in the client service industry which it sounds like a lot of your clients are um entitlement is a is a is a client relationship killer so whenever whenever we hire account managers um whenever we hire anyone that's to do anything with do with our clients we we absolutely rule out anyone that's got they could be massively qualified with amazing experience if they're entitled in any way we don't hire them because they just it's just a killer it's a client relationship killer i mean this is like i said this is fantastic because it's it is so clear when you think about it and when you work with smes i think it is a huge barrier to them to them growing as a business so yeah massively great point love that um for you oliver what's would you say has been the biggest positive you've gotten out of your career so far? Well, I'm very grateful. I'm mm. very grateful that I've been able to, um, no, you know, no major uh, massive challenges. So I, I just, I'm grateful to have the opportunity. I think one of the, um, the positives I've had of, of starting my own business is that I don't coast. Like I feel, I feel like when I worked for someone else, a month could go by. And to be honest, mate, I wouldn't have known. Like I would have been like, well, yeah, nothing's changed. Like, I feel like I'm in the same place. Like, and I feel like I was coasting. Now, one of the things when you start your own business and you become an entrepreneur, you, you feel every day, every, every meeting matters to an extent, every, every minute, like really matters and not always in a good way. Right. Like sometimes it's really painful. Sometimes it's really stressful this week in particular has been, and last week was quite stressful, but you, what you end the day and you're like, wow, I lived today. Like I really lived it. So mm. I think one of the things that I'm most grateful for from the entrepreneurship journey of the last three years is that it's allowed me to really live, you know, um, and even, even though most of those, those three years we were stuck in our apartment, not able to leave and even go to the shops in lockdown, I still felt like I was living because I felt so, it felt so alive. And I felt, I feel like building something is really, really energizing. So whether it's, whether it's in a job or something else, I think, the act of building is quite energizing 
And the thing, the thing I like the most about it, and the thing I'm most grateful for, is is the opportunity to to really experience the day. I forgot what your original question though was. Though, though, no, but, that's but, that was it. That was it. What was yeah. the positive? Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, the it. positive is that it's it's like don't coast, man. Like this life is short. So I don't know how old anyone listening is, but like it doesn't. It's short, dude. Like no, like anything can happen at any point. So whatever happens, I'd rather have a terrible day and really feel it than just coast. Like I'd rather really be alive and really be feeling this stuff than coast because I think that's when you get to know yourself a bit better and that's when you get to, when you know yourself better, you get to make these decisions to make your life better. So don't coast, man. That's that's just the only thing I'd say is, is, is if you're in a position where you're coasting, make a change. Great advice. And then on the flip side of that, what's something that's been maybe less favorable or challenging about this journey so far? Yeah, well, I mean, like I definitely can, I definitely worry too much. Like, you know, um if we it's it's so funny right so you say i'll give you some arbitrary numbers i'm not going to reveal what we do or anything i'll give you some arbitrary numbers but say like you start your business and you say when we get to 20k a month i'm going to be really really happy everything's going to be good then you get to 20k a month and you've actually got 10 times more worries than you had before right and then you say well like when we get to 10 people and this figure I, I'm sure I'll be fine because, um, you know, then they'll be looking after this and then you have 10 times more worries. So I think being able to, and I like in the grand scheme of things, like I hope to run uh, my business for maybe, maybe 10, 15, 20 years. Right. So in the grand scheme of things, three years is short. That's something I need to work on massively is being able to, um, zoom out. And it's really interesting, right? Like I've got this theory that everyone's strength is their weakness. And if you think about what I just said and the thing that I've loved about the entrepreneurship journey is that I live every day. Well, on the flip side, what I'm telling you is I wish I could switch off sometimes and I wish I could like step back and think, actually, no, things will be fine because they always happen so far and I don't see why there wouldn't be any more. So the thing that the thing that I dislike is is constantly putting pressure on myself, um, not being able to let go as much. When I had a team when I worked in the previous agency, I had a team of four core people and at any one time they could have like 10 people working for them, depending on the project. That was big teams and I felt, but I always felt like it was all going to be fine. I never had that pressure. Now it's our team and our team is, is much smaller, like six people. But I feel, I always feel that pressure of like, will things be okay? And I take on too much myself. So that's the bit that um, I, I don't love is uh the pressure that i put myself under and the sort of the inability to let go as much but that's something that we're working on man that's that's something i need to work on myself i mean you must find that right working for yourself you must find that as well right yes and i i agree it's definitely something you know i need to work on but i think as if you go in down this route and you start businesses you probably are going to worry more than the average person that's, yeah, that's employed sure. in a company, but you're right. There needs to be a, a way of managing it. I haven't quite found it yet, <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll work on it. This, you know, there's one, one thing I think I'm, I'm learning is that we have like life, life happens minute by minute. Right. So if you think about, if you think about it that way, the way you manage and you schedule your diary is really, really important. And so, small things I've done. Um, so for example, no me never do meetings on Monday, never or try to never do meetings on Friday. If I do do meetings on Friday, it's like per in-person meetings, meeting clients and stuff like that. So like, if you can manage the minutes in your day and you can make the minutes enjoyable, then the whole thing becomes enjoyable. Whereas if you, I know the times when I'm most, most stressed and most unhappy 
is when I feel like I look at my diary and I feel like my diary has control over me. And I think that if I think back to the last two weeks, that's definitely been the case. Like I feel like I've been been pulled from one meeting to another. My diary has been in control of me and that doesn't make me happy. So I think control the minutes, right? Like be very meticulous about your schedule and that becomes a life which you can manage. And that's something that I'm definitely working on right now. Great advice. And to kind of wrap this up, would you still go into this industry and do everything you've done knowing everything you know now? I, I think the marketing industry, the agency world is is such a wonderful place. Like what's great about what's great about the uh, the agency world is that, yeah, there are tons of agencies. I mean, there's probably too many, dude. Like, to be honest, there's probably too many, mm. but but it's so supportive and there's never this this idea of competition. Like our program, um, our coaching program, we've got 40 agencies in there. Some of them do exactly the same thing for exactly the same type of client. They don't see each other as competitors. They just see each other as, as like partners that can work together, that can learn from each other. So yeah, I think this industry is wonderful. What I would say is it's the most misunderstood industry in the world. Mm. It's the only industry I know where people will consistently ask agencies to do loads and loads of work and only pay them if they get the results they want. I mean, that doesn't work in other in other industries. Like it doesn't work in the restaurant industry. You don't say I'll pay if I like it. Like it doesn't work in the hairdresser industry. You don't say I'll only pay if I like it. Like yeah. it's, it's just, it's a massively a misunderstood industry. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And, and I think, I, I think I want to do as much as I can to promote the marketing industry, to promote marketing perception and also promote agencies as a whole. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't regret that at all. I think it's an amazing place to be, man. Well, Oliver, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks Same, for man. coming. And uh, do you want to shout out your companies, where people can find you, all of that? I think, I think the best place, look, I hang out on LinkedIn all the time. So just look up Oliver Duffy Lee on LinkedIn. I don't think there's anyone else in the world called Oliver Duffy Lee. I have my wife <laughs> to thank for that. Um, so yeah, just hook me up. Look look me up on, on Oliver, um, on LinkedIn, Oliver Duffy Lee, and just reference you see me on this podcast because um, otherwise I might not accept, but would love to connect over there. Brilliant. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you, man.